I got it up from under the boat and then it took off in the other direction for a long way, which is take and drag and take and drag. And when I finally got it turned, it jumped about six feet in the air and that's when the adrenaline really hit. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer Podcast, inspiring real women with a passion for fishing and the outdoors to go get their adventure on. Now, here's your fearless host, Angie Scott. Welcome back to another episode of the Woman Angler and Adventurer Podcast. Does it feel like time is flying to you? I mean, we're already in February. The mobile podcast studio will be rolling by the end of the month. And some other exciting things are happening, too. The 2021 sponsors are lined up. I realized just recently I need to get a move on on my fishing jersey for the first tournament in March. So while I'm thinking about it, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the 2021 sponsors before we get into this episode. Uh, So Freedom Boat Club Nashville, they've been so supportive of the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast and of my tournament fishing. I couldn't do it without their support. And speaking of Freedom Boat Club, I'll be featured on an upcoming episode of their Watch Party Wednesday video series. The episode is slated to air on Facebook Wednesday the 17th, so be sure and keep an eye out for that. And uh, another sponsor this year, Key West Boats. So... I recently interviewed next week's guest, Chastin Whitfield, and I can't wait for you guys to hear that. But I was glad to know I'm not the only female angler out there fishing bass tournaments from a center console, typically saltwater boat. So I'm going to be running a 230 Bay Reef, and I'm scheduled to go visit the Key West Boat headquarters in South Carolina to pick it up the first week of March. I'm so excited, so stay tuned for that. It's going to have a 250 Yamaha VMAX show, which I'm no stranger to. With the Quest Pontoons, I am going to very much miss running a Quest Pontoon, but with my relationship with Freedom Boat Club, it just kind of all worked out, so we're switching it up this year. Uh, I know we'll be going, getting a pontoon at some point. But uh, for for this year, we're just going to roll with the center console. So it's going to be fun, new experience, uh, you know, whole new deal, running a different style boat. So I can't wait. Uh, And then, of course, Lance Camper, whom I mentioned on previous episodes already, so excited about that mobile podcast studio. And uh, hopefully, like I say, we'll be ready to roll the end of the month. And then St. Croix Rods is my rod sponsor. I'm so thankful to be on board with them. I always talk about the importance of having confidence in your gear. So to be on the St. Croix Rod Pro Staff is huge to me. I'm always confident when I'm out there with one of their rods. And uh, some big things are coming with from them in the next month, so stay tuned for that. Also, Stealth Rod Holders. I did an episode about Stealth Rod Holders back on episode 138. First met them at iCast, and I was so impressed with their innovative quick-release design, and I can't wait to outfit the new Key West with some of the, the new Stealth Rod Holders as well. And then Al's Goldfish Lure Company. I love, love, love Al's Goldfish Lures. They've been around since 1952. You can catch 
I say just about any species. I think you can catch every species of fish that will bite a lure, that is. Um, I always make sure to bring my owls with me down to Florida. And I've caught several bass with them in tournaments as well. seems like when it's a really tough day out there, you throw an owl's goldfish, uh, you might have some success. So um happy to be partnered with them. We partnered with them for our Cape Cod striper fishing trip that we did a while back. It was so awesome. And always great to hang out with Jeff and Mandy. They're fantastic people and uh, proud to call them friends as well. Another brand new sponsor this year and one I'm really excited about is a company called Runkle. That's R-U-N-C-L. Runkle makes a whole variety of baits, lines, reels, and other fishing accessories. And with this sponsorship, I get the opportunity to test some brand new products before they're released to market and give them some feedback so they can improve. And I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. I first heard about them from Lady Bass Angler Association angler, Barbara Harris. She let me try some of their fluorocarbon line at the Truman Lake tournament, and I was thoroughly impressed. Had no issues with it, and so I'm really excited about using their line as well as some of their other products. And another exciting thing coming up is I'll be in the studio with Debbie Hansen on Saturday, February 13th. I've had Debbie on the show before. Uh, the show that I'm going to be on is her ESPN 99.3 Southwest Florida radio show. It's going to be from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. live on ESPN 99.3. Again, that's February 13th. You can tune in no matter where you are. You can listen online or via the 99.3 ESPN app. So I hope you can tune in. I'll, I'll share it. It'll be posted on their website as well. So you guys, if you miss it Saturday morning, you can check it out later. All right. I think that's it for all the shout outs and announcements. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode, which was the first part of my conversation with Linda Connor. She had some awesome stories to tell. This week is the second part of our conversation. She has a couple more stories to share, including the story about catching her personal best bass, which was over 14 pounds. And she shares some great advice on rods, reels, line, and bait, and just some things she's learned over the years. So I think you're going to really enjoy the second part of our conversation. So sit back and enjoy. And be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode where I catch up with Chastin Nation, Chastin Whitfield. There was the time, the day that I qualified for my classic on Lake Ten Killer, we had a newcomer to the group, a six foot one blonde Amazon. And all these Southern men who are there supporting their women are standing back looking like their eyeballs are popping out of their heads um, because there was a lot of cleavage showing and real short, <laughs> short cutoff shorts. Um, it was Marsha, who formerly was Mark. Oh, wow. Yeah, so all that kind of stuff went, went on. And she went on to actually make a classic, and she won the classic, and then we had all the reporters from all over the country and and filming people, although we never really got, they, they'd do a write-up on us, but we never got any attention compared to what the guys do. Right. And she actually announced on the stage in her long, formal dress that she 
to have a sex change. Wow. We all pretty much knew it. Um, I stayed with her for a week in Florida, and then we drove. I, I flew down to Florida. That's one of the tournaments that I, I did not take my boat to. I flew to Florida, spent a week in Florida, fished with her in the Everglades. That's another story. Um, <laughs> and then we drove to, we were on our way to Sam Rayburn, and we stopped and fish Lake Hatchnaha, uh, which is part of the Kissimmee Tail Lakes, and mm-hmm. that's where I caught my personal best bass. Nice. What? How big was 14, that? 14 pounds, 3 Whoa. ounces. <laughs> I was expecting you to say like 10, 10 and a half, something like that. Wow, 14. Yeah, we were doing what Marsha called jungle flipping, and Marsha's really tall. Mm -hmm. And I I had a one-ounce weight on because you had to get through the stuff. And a crawworm, a Berkeley crawworm. So I was on the Berkeley Pro staff. And I set the hook with my brand-new Berkeley extendable flipping stick. Mm -hmm. And Marcia says, oh, you got yourself a big bass there? I said, um, I think it might be a gar. It's pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing, I got it coming, and it went right under the boat, and my rod just curled mm. right under the boat. And I, I started pulling line to kind of get it tall. I could loosen my drag a little bit. I got it up from under the boat, and then it took off in the other direction for a long way, which is taking drag and taking drag. And when I finally got it turned, it jumped about six feet in the air, and that's when wow. the adrenaline really hit <laughs> when I saw that fish. And, I mean, I, I shook for half an hour later. Oh, I'd still be shaking. <laughs> I'm shaking just yeah. thinking about it. Wow, that's like something oh, you dream about. And it had already spawned. It had a huge belly, but it was real flaccid. And she was pretty beat up from spawning. And I, I'm suspecting it was a very old fish. Mm-hmm. It just looked kind of old. We put it in the live well with some of the uh, catch and release crystals to just mm-hmm. kind of let it rest a little bit before we uh, while well, we drove to where we could get, get it weighed. And then we came back to the spot and let her go. Mm-hmm. So I do have one nice framed picture of it. Nice with me and it was 28 inches long and it had a 24 inch girth mm. and that was that was spawned out wow what mm. what year was that oh my i probably let's see i fished bass and gals for 11 years my last year that i fished was 97 i would Yes, it was probably about 92 or 93. Wait, wait. It was 93. Okay. Because I was at the governor's walleye opener, and we were up at um, International Falls. Mm-hmm. I went as a media person. I was also working for the Department of Agriculture, um, educating people about ethanol and our gasoline because mm-hmm. that was had just started. Um, a blend of 7% or less. And everybody was concerned it was, they still think it's ruining their engines. Mm -hmm. But, um, so I was there and I remember somebody commenting on my picture. Mm. So that was 1983. 1993. 93, gotcha. All right, so let's talk about, I'm, I'm kind of in awe that like, 
you know, you you joined the, the club, you joined Bass and Gals, you started fishing these tournaments. Um, I'm kind of in the beginning of my career, even though I'm I'm not like super young. I'm I'm 42, but um, better late than never. Oh, that's, right? that's young. That's young. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, so I'm still I still have so much to learn, and I'm sometimes I get like really overwhelmed because I grew up fishing walleye in Minnesota and bass fishing to me is fairly new. I mean, I've been doing it just cause I'm on Percy priest here and we don't have walleye. So I've been mostly targeting bass out here and I'm still learning. And, um, sometimes it gets a little overwhelming thinking about all the different techniques and all the different baits and studying patterns and figuring all this stuff out. And like we have YouTube and all these great resources. Like how did you go about, figuring stuff out trial and error mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we we didn't have lake mapping um on uh, you know how hard it is to try and drive a boat and have a map folded up to the area where I talk you are trying to look at it i talk about that all the time because especially here in percy priest it's a very treacherous lake it's it's very known for wrecking props and lower units because there's just shallow rocky areas and especially like this time of year the water's already drawn down so low oh yeah and and if i just had a paper map i you know i just i'm like how did how did people do this because like we have navionics where the thing follows you on your screen and you can see exactly where you are on the water on your map you know yeah I've got hummingbirds on my on my skier, and I, I really really like them there so much. I need to take the time. I've had them for two years. I need to sit down and play with them. Mm-hmm. But no, when I get in the boat, I fit. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to do all that other stuff when you just want to be casting and reeling. You know. Yeah, I, I think one of the best, the very very best things that I ever did was to mark, uh, use the color and mark areas that were uh, less than 10 feet. Mm. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm very cautious. <laughs> and the only time I've really ever dinged up my prop has been at a boat launch because some of our boat launches up here are so terrible. They're mm. so shallow. There's a hole. And then, you know, if you if you need to I try to come in as slow as I can. I, I did add a hydraulic jack plate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my Skeeter is 20 years old, but if you see it going down the road, it looks brand new. Nice. And my motor is a 200. It's been rebuilt. Um, I've got brand new trolling motor and my two-year-old electronics, which are, I'm thinking of uh, upgrading one of them to a bigger screen easier to see. Mm-hmm. And some of the guys like, have uh, like two of those <laughs> right oh, there. Oh, I know. There wouldn't be any room. I have a dual console, mm. which I like because my husband, he fishes with, he's got one tackle box. He is in the passenger seat. He's got his one tackle box. He has graduated from three rods to 10 rods. Oh, wow. Nice. I, on the other hand, have at least 40. I usually have about 10 in my rod locker and I do. Oh, I hate to even say that. It's probably ten on the front deck. <laughs> uh, 
Although it's a lot easier now with spot lock on a Minn Kota, mm-hmm. you know, to have to, if you have to stop and change something or retie, but each one of my rods and reels is set up for a specific purpose. Mm-hmm. But usually there are about five of them with jigs on them. That's kind of what I, yeah, jig jig fishing. That's kind of what I'm figuring out right now. I'm like, okay, I've got all these rods and reels, but I haven't really sat down and been like, okay, what is the best pairing of the rod and reel? What, you know, and what application is this really the best at? And what what's the best kind of line I need to have for that particular application? Like, that's all the stuff I'm kind of sorting through right now. So hopefully... By the time I get to Ray Hubbard, I'll have all that figured out, and I'll be using the the maximal you know application for each rod and reel. And I've I've only got I think seven now that are like oh that's that's plenty good that's plenty. The only reason I have more is and I've been upgrading mine because some of mine were my original. I still have my original lose speed spools. I was on the lose team. Mm. And those things are workhorses. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a little bit of play in the handle, but that's how they were designed. Now there's no play in any of the handles. I use Suffix 832 Superline, mm-hmm. and I just read that they, they've they come out with a new brand of Superline that is rounder and cast better. Superlines, you know, don't they don't sink. Right. And fluorocarbon sinks. So on a lot of my rods, I actually use a barrel swivel on, even if it's like on a spinning rod. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm using fluoro or advanced mono, which Suffix makes, uh, the, the more expense, the more money you spend on your barrel swivel, the better. Um, I think I've got my favorites are the VMCs. So I tie a Palomar knot on um, and then onto the little barrel swivel. Have you done this yet? I have. Um, mostly when I've gone saltwater fishing, I haven't used barrel swivels or or Carolina rigs for um, catfish or something. But You know, you never even hear anything about a Carolina rig anymore. Yeah, rarely. Every now and then somebody will will mention something. I really haven't fished a Carolina rig for bass much yet. Um so I did I did down south quite a bit on on uh, Sam Rayburn, um where you'd find some rocky places. Mm-hmm. Um spotted bass is what we were catching using those. But um what I'm talking about is on the spinning rod, if you're using I saw you like to fish a Sanko. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where you use a barrel swivel. You put a barrel swivel on, and then you put a liter of fluorocarbon. Mm-hmm. It that way you're not going to get any twist. Okay. Do you like to dead stick your Senko? Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing. I'll, I'll especially, fish it especially very, very slow. But... Pre-spawn. Mm. That's what you pre-spawn. And what you look for out of the northwest areas where the water is the warmest, you probably already know this, um, find the warmest water. And like up here, I can see what I call smears. That's where the fish have come up and gone back down, and they'll, they'll be 
they're not beds because it's still too cold, but they're coming up into the shallows and kind of swimming along because that's where they're finding some food. So if you find those areas or light dark areas, you throw your senko up there further than where you want it to be and slap your line right down on the water immediately. Mm -hmm. And then just take up whatever real loose line you've got. Don't even try to feel the bite. And that is how I started fishing. Actually, we didn't have Senkos then. We had, um, they called them um, centipedes or, or french fries. Mm-hmm. It looked like they took a veggie cutter and, you know, cut a little short stubby french fry. Yep. And that's that's how we fished those um um, threw them under the cedar trees and things like that in the water. And then I came up here and started using that and thought, oh my gosh, and we weren't supposed to be fishing for bass, you know, until Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> they weren't that picky about it then as they are now. <laughs> but there, that's a really amazing way to fish it, plus wacky worming it. And yeah, have I've you, tried have, wacky worming a Senko and never had any success at it. So I always just go back to the Texas rig, but I haven't. Oh, see, given it I didn't. Even, I don't don't even Texas rig it. I just fish it with no weight whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, wait, this Texas rig, I should say. Um, Unless it's really windy. Or yeah, need yeah to get it weedless, deep. no weight. Um, then the other one. There's three different ways to do it. A wacky worm, you can fish it with just a small hook in the middle or offside, and you can stick a nail. They make they make these bendable pieces that you can shove in each end to give it a little weight or a little different movement. Mm-hmm. Um, another way is there are the Gamagatsu makes them, VMC makes them, uh, Daiichi makes them. They're a jig to be used with as a wacky worm. It's got a little tiny ball head on it and a, a wire, mm-hmm. and you just hook it right through the middle of that that worm. Um, also, have you seen the little the little rings that you can put on the senko? I have, yeah. I've never used one, but I have seen them. It it helps you get more life out of your senko. Mm. It won't rip it off um, when you're wacky worming. But with a wacky worm, you can dead stick it or move it very slowly. And I've also recently gotten more into chatterbaits. Mm, yeah, I've heard a lot of talk about sh- chatterbaits lately. Um, I have a couple. I've fished them a few times, but haven't had, again, I haven't had much luck with them yet. But that's not to say they're uh, very effective. Yeah, everything... First of all, a jig will catch fish when nothing else will. Mm-hmm. A jig generally catches bigger fish. But what I found out when I started fishing down south is that a jig didn't work quite that well because everything down there is more shad-based. Mm-hmm. And I found fishing in Minnesota to be so much nicer. Did you teach as well? Like do seminars and things like that? Yes, I did. I was an instructor the first time I did it. It was for Becoming an Outdoors Woman program. I did that in uh, South Dakota. That was one session. 
Um, and I did two here in Minnesota. And for several years, I was um, what they call a, a celebrity um, guide for Camp Confidence, which is a camp for um, kids with learning disabilities, of a lot of um, Down syndrome kids. Um, anyway, it was done on Gull Lake, and it was out of Grandview Lodge. Nice. And people would pay, and they had the fishing category, they had a golf category, and I think they had tennis. So I was one of the fishing guides. I fished with um, Lynn Lichtenauer, the Muskie Lady, and we actually were the first woman's team that ever placed in the money on Lake Minnetonka. Oh, cool. Yeah, and okay. we beat the Lindners, too. <laughs> nice, yeah. And I've, I've, I've also guided two female lieutenant governors. Al Lindner guided our our governor, uh, Rudy Perpich, at the time. Uh-huh. And it was on North Center Lake down in the city by Chicago. I, I and... used to fish North Center all the time. That was our go-to lake because it was, wasn't too far from, from where in North Branch there we'd go. That was, that was a fun lake to fish, although I must admit it was a little spooky going underneath that tunnel. <laughs> I love that as a kid. I remember <laughs> that. I was like, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> So if you had if you had some advice for somebody who was just wanting to get started in bass fishing in particular and walks into a, a tackle store and sees all the tens of thousands of different lures and reels and rods and all the things, what would your best advice be to them? Find a really nice associate in that store that you feel comfortable with and ask their advice. Mm. Um, you can do all your homework ahead of time, but I mean, even now, sometimes, you know, like up at Reed Sporting Goods up at Walker, mm-hmm. um, I've gotten to know them all and I get my discount. And they're very, very helpful. And if they see me, they say, hey, Linda, you got to see this. Mm-hmm. Um, this just came in and this is one of the really you know, and I'm, I know which ones I might be just trying to sell or who's truly being honest. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's about the only thing I can tell somebody. You just can't go into a store if you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. and just, get out of all of those. Yeah, there's just way but too many choices and options. You, you, you could do a little research ahead of time. And if you're going to fish for bass, you know, you're going to want. A couple of rods, you're going to want a heavy rod. I prefer longer rods myself. Um, I like to, I like to touch stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like to twist the, you know, feel the play on a reel mm-hmm. and feel how smooth it is. And um, you, before you go in the store, do your research. Check on how many ball bearings what speed you might want for each application and then go talk to somebody in the store. Yeah. That's, that's a loaded question. That's, yeah, <laughs> how many rods are you going to buy? But yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I heard one, one piece of advice recently that sounded really good um, for somebody just getting started. And that's, uh, and when you're looking at lures, get something that you can target the top 
the middle and the bottom to start out and maybe maybe a couple different colors of each so maybe a bright color and then maybe a more natural subtle color for each of those and just start off with that oh i thought you were talking more about rods and reels. well that too i mean all, all of okay. it because it's all overwhelming but um and when it comes to lures that was some advice i heard recently and i thought that that was good good advice for somebody brand new who doesn't have who has an empty tackle box and doesn't know where to start you know that um there's where a jig can do almost anything Mm -hmm. you can fish it on the bottom you can swim it you can swim it fast almost on the top um and there are different jigs for that Mm -hmm. um well, like I said, my, my favorite color is black, blue, purple, and then sapphire, blue, chunk, and the most, a very inexpensive jig made by Strike King is called a Bitsy Flip, oh, yeah. and those are really, I, I would recommend a beginner to get those, and you can get them at Walmart, and they're under $3. Nice. And we like to use, um, there's a bitsy bite and a bitsy flip. And then there's a bunch of other better ones, the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of a compact jig, and it's probably my husband's very favorite. Um, spread out, make sure you spread your weed guards out on them. Don't mm-hmm. cut them, just, you know, stick your fingers in them and spread them out. And... Um, What's the difference between the two, the Bitsy Flip and the uh, Bitsy, would you say, Bite? Um, a sturdier hook on the Bitsy Flip, okay. uh, a real strong hook and a, and a heavier weed guard, whereas the um, Bitsy Bug, Bug has got a much finer hook and not much of a weed guard. And actually, it's a real nice thing for more clear water. Mm. So, yeah, you, you get, the more time you spend on the water, the better you do. And sometimes I think if you're learning a new technique, that's the only technique that you use for half a day and see what you can do with it. Thanks for listening and huge, huge thanks to Linda Condor for being on the show. If you live in Minnesota, be sure and check out Women Anglers of Minnesota. You'll meet amazing women like Linda who are eager to share their knowledge and help you learn how to catch fish faster. And don't we all want to be able to do that? Don't forget to tune in next week for my inspiring interview with Chaston Whitfield. In the meantime, stay safe and take care.